It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsport. We did, but honestly, I was left with more questions than answers, Tony. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. And I'm Michael Costa, comedian from The Daily Show. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1. Our F1 102, if you will. And get all of the answers. All of them? Listen to Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Dow of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali in 1988, and surprisingly, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story, and also stories of others touched by the champ. Listen to The Dial of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Julian Edelman from Games With Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time with the players and coaches who lived in them. Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Or what about the the after parties? We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. America's two great pastimes collide on this podcast. It is baseball and making money from the dog days of summer through the October Classic. Greg Bases Peterson's going to be free swinging at the betting board as he tries to hit a grand slam for your bankroll. Now here is GP. Welcome into the Vivid Seat Studios from OB Overtime Betting. Greg Peterson coming at you with another great podcast as I'm actually coming at you from San Diego. One of the benefactors of this fine podcast, actually more or less the That's Gold podcast I do with Steve Heitner. He is a gentleman that is doing some great work with those that are less fortunate, the homeless, and he is doing a golf tournament to be able to raise money. So that's why I'm out here in San Diego today. Very happy to be here. So very, very good situation there. And what else is a terrific situation. The fact that Jared Willis of Sporting News is going to be joining me in the second segment. We're going to be talking about these playoff series and we're going to be talking a little bit about what we can maybe expect from the Chicago White Sox in the offseason. And that's going to be great. In the final segment, I give you a side and total on every game on today's Las Vegas betting board and something I like to call touch them all. This is the part of the podcast in which I'd like to answer Twitter questions. You can always feel free to fire those in at GNRS41. Always sweep those into the timeline instead of the DMs. If you send them into the DMs, well, you're going to be winding up being someone that does not get an answer. Meanwhile, if you tweet them into the timelines, well, gosh darn it, you're going to get that answer. Did not get in any Twitter questions today. So let's get right to the two results that we saw yesterday. 
What happened yesterday? Let's go around the bases and find out. Matt Max Scherzer at the beginning of Sunday morning was the projected start for the Washington Nationals. Instead, it wound up being Anibal Sanchez going up against Hunjin Ryu. And things look good early on for the Washington Nationals. They get a 2-0 lead thanks to a home run off the bat of Juan Soto. And then Max Muncy was able to get a dinger for the LA Dodgers. So they wound up being down by a count of 2-1 going into the sixth inning. Patrick Corbin enters as a reliever for the Washington Washington Nationals, as we know, very good serve for them. And then the floodgates open. The LA Dodgers get a touchdown with the extra point in that inning as being able to go deep for the Dodgers. Russell Martin, that was actually in the ninth inning, but he winds up getting a bomb. And in that inning, you did have Justin Turner down for what? Being able to get a three-run home run that really blasted this game open for the Washington Nationals. Corbin winds up giving up six of those seven runs in that inning. And then Wander Swear was wondering where the strike zone was. He gave up a run as well. You had Fernand. Oh, no. Rodney also entered in the game. He actually had two strikeouts and didn't give up a run in an inning. So good for him. And for Anibal Sanchez, a little bit of a tough luck, no decision here. As he goes five innings, giving up one run. For Unjin Ryu, he did give up that home run early on in the game, but he goes five innings, giving up just those two runs off that home run. From there, you did have Joe Kelly giving up two runs, but by and large, a Dodgers bullpen, which has been very good recently. Going into the postseason, they had the best ERA out of the bullpen over the last 30 days of the regular season. They give up two runs over the course of four innings. You do want to note that Julio Arias wound up being used for two innings in this one. So with Rich Hill going on Monday, got to think that Ross Stripling is probably going to see a lot of innings after him. Arias probably not going to be available, even though he did only go 15 pitches in those two innings, which I do find very interesting. But by and large, Dodgers were able to do a very good job out of the bullpen. They blasted the game over in the sixth inning. And now the Washington Nationals, well, they're going to need to win two games in order to keep their season alive. And then the other series in the National League now sees the Atlanta Braves up by a count of 2-1 to one, thanks to a three-run ninth inning as the St. Louis Cardinals wind up falling by a count of 3-1. to one. And this is the second time in three games that the Braves have been able to do this. In that ninth inning, Adam Duvall wound up having a two RBI hit for the team. That was absolutely huge. And if I remember correctly, that was actually with two outs as well. So Adam Duvall coming up very clutch for the Atlanta Braves, a team that was really leaving quite a few guys on base. Going into that ninth inning, they were 0 for 6 with men in scoring position. So absolutely huge for them. And for the St. Louis Cardinals, just not a lot doing on offense. They were able to get an RBI early on one Mike Soroka, and he had a very good outing in this one. Seven innings, gives up one run and two hits over the course of that, so he was able to do his job, and then the bullpen from there goes two scoreless innings, and for the St. Louis Cardinals, can't ask for anything more out of Adam Wainwright. Seven and two-thirds innings, he gives up four hits, eight strikeouts, he did his part, but then Carlos Martinez out of the bullpen gives up three runs over the course of an inning, and you do want to note this with the St. Louis Cardinals. For the year, they had a top five ERA with regards to their bullpen, but over the last 30 days of the regular season, their bullpen ERA was in the bottom 10 of the big leagues, and right now, Carlos Martinez and some of the other guys out there in the bullpen of the St. Louis Cardinals, they're looking very shaky, as with those two results, you are now seeing the over-under at seven unders, five overs over the course of the postseason. And with regards to favorites, they are right now dominating. You see the favorites currently at 8-4 and four through the postseason. So that is something that you do want to note. And right now you're seeing both road teams currently with a 2-1 to one lead in the National League. So that is what we all learned from Major League Baseball on Sunday and some 
exciting postseason action. If you're looking to be able to attend some of these postseason games, maybe baseball isn't necessarily your thing for seeing it in person. Maybe you want to see a college basketball game, an NFL game, or just concert in general. Vivid Seats is your place to be able to get tickets on all these events. If you're a first-time customer and you type into the Vivid Seats app the word overtime, that's all one word, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E, you're able to get up to $100 off of all tickets. Doesn't matter the event, whatever your heart's desire, you are able to save some money off of it. That is, once again, the promo code OVERTIME, all one word, into the Vivid Seats app to save up to $100 off of all tickets. Fine sponsor of this podcast and a fine guest that is going to be joining us next is Jared Willis of the Sporting News. We're going to be talking about all these postseason series and a little bit about the upcoming MLB offseason period as well. That is coming up next right here on MLB Overtime Bank. Greg is phoning a friend and going out to the Azunia Hotline. And we're back here on MLB Overtime Betting. Greg Peterson coming at you from the Vivid Seat Studios out here in lovely Las Vegas. Great to have our next guest. He's joined me a couple times and he is a man from the heartland, much like myself. He's living out there in the great state of Illinois. He does terrific work for a variety of different outlets. You can catch his work on Forbes Sports, along with the Sporting News and Chicago Mag. And you can follow him on Twitter, at Jay Willis. And that's not your typical spelling of Willis. The last name is spelled W-Y-L-L-Y-S, as it is Jared Willis joining me right here on the podcast. And Jared, how are you doing on this fine day? I'm doing pretty well. Thanks for having me on. Great to have you on, and I'm sure that the Yankees are feeling pretty great themselves as going into this day. They have a 2-0 to series lead over the Minnesota Twins, and it is going to be Luis Severino going on the mound for the New York Yankees. Got to think that this team is going to be a pretty sizable favorite when it's all said and done. Jake Odorizzi going to have to try to save the season of the Minnesota Twins. So I will say this for the Twins. If there is one guy on the mound that you want, it probably would be Jake Odorizzi because down the stretch he was looking very good. Barrios for the year was a little bit better, but you could tell that after the month of August, things were just not necessarily going the best for him. What do you think is the big key here for the New York Yankees? Because Severino, guy that has only made three starts so far this year, but by and large, he's actually looked pretty decent whenever he has taken the mound. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think what we've seen through the first two games of that series is that the Yankees pitching coach, Larry Rothschild, has is, is clearly game-planned really well and has so far essentially shut down the Twins' offense. Nobody needs to be told how powerful the Twins' offense was all season long. And so I think given what they've accomplished the first two games, that puts them in a pretty good spot for Game 3, or if they can continue to do the same, because the game planning is obviously there and it's obviously worked really well. They've seen something, figured something out about how to approach the Twins' offense. So the question for Minnesota is going to be, can you adjust to that? Can you figure out what it is about their approach that's making it such a hard time for you to score and see if you can counteract it? Now, they may get a little bit of a boost just from being back at home, but you certainly don't want to come back home down two games to none like they are. They're in a tough spot where you know maybe Odorizzi is the best guy possible. It's set up nicely for them to, to take game three and hopefully win their next one in game four at home and, and then just kind of see where things go from there. But they've definitely put themselves in a really tricky spot. Yeah, things aren't necessarily going the best for the Minnesota Twins, but things are going a little bit better for the Washington Nationals as they were able to get a game two win over the LA Dodgers. So 
They ensured that no matter what they would be playing on this day. And it looks like for the Dodgers, it's going to be Rich Hill taking the mound. As we're doing this podcast right now, we're doing this a little bit in advance. We don't know who's going to be going for the Washington Nationals, but certainly Rich Hill on the bump for the L.A. Dodgers. What can we expect out of Rich Hill? Because he made two starts towards the end of the year, and I think in both of them, he went a combined two and two-thirds innings. So this is a guy that I have to think is going to be nothing more than perhaps a three-inning opener, and then maybe use a bunch of bulk guys like Ross Stripling and Julio Rios from there. Yeah, that's probably what makes the most sense, just given Hill, the fact that he was out basically all season, other than, you know, like you mentioned, right up until the end. And you don't want to try to push the guy too far. And yeah, he's a veteran. He's pitched a lot of big games in his career. So it's not as if the pressure of the moment is going to get to him. It's just more about physically what can this guy be expected to do and be able to be effective. And so, yeah, I think if you treat it as maybe like an opener plus, so let him see the Nationals line up twice. You know, whether that takes three innings or so, you know, 50 pitches or so, and then you turn it over because you do have the guys like Stripling, like Urias, who have been starters, who can handle taking a couple innings in relief. And I I think they can set that up pretty nicely, kind of like if you go back and look at the way the Brewers approach the wildcard game against the Nationals, where, you know, you get your quote unquote starter out there for about three innings, you get a reliever in there for two, another reliever in there for one, and then you turn it over to your back end of the bullpen guys. I think LA can make that work pretty nicely, is is provided that it all it all plays out like that. Oh, absolutely. As we do have Jared Willis of Sporting News joining me right here on the podcast. And hopefully for the Dodgers, if they do take that approach, they don't wind up having a questionable hit by pitch and a ball go through the legs of an outfielder. <laughs> this coming from a Milwaukee Brewers fan, so I'm a little bit salty about oh. that, but oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sorry I brought it up then. I, I, oh, it is I all good. Do not said. worry. I'm now having a little bit more of a laugh at it. I'm having a little bit more of a laugh about it a little bit less than a week after the situation, but with that said, getting back to the Dodgers, this is a team that I feel like so many people just advance the World Series and they did so somewhat blindly, but I do think that this National League wildcard picture is really out there for the taking. I feel like the Braves and the Cardinals are showing that they're two very equal teams, and the Nationals, with their starting three of Patrick Corbin, Max Scherzer, and Steven Strasburg, are doing a very good job of being able to match up with the Dodgers, and I do feel like this is certainly much more wide open than the American League, where it just feels like it's going to be the Houston Astros, despite the fact that the Yankees have looked very good in their series against the Twins. Yeah, I think the the National League is going to be more interesting. The Braves and Cardinals will probably look back and say that that was the most interesting series in the divisional round, Mm -hmm. you know, Braves versus Cardinals, because they do match up so nicely. And the one thing that concerns me about the Nationals is kind of if you look at the way they've handled things so far, you have Scherzer and you have Strasburg, but they're being used like in relief of each other because they've done that twice now already in the postseason. And granted, in both situations, it worked. But how much do you want to be doing that through the course of the postseason? I don't know that that's something that that's a good long term plan. Now, as some people have pointed out, when Scherzer came out and pitched, given the number of days of rest he had, this is what normally would have been his side session anyway. So, yeah, technically, it's kind of like he's just throwing a side session, but you can't tell me it's even remotely close throwing a side session versus going out on the mound, you know, warming up in the bullpen, going out on the mound, facing live hitters and facing live hitters in a playoff game. It's apples and oranges. So 
That's the one thing that might be the Achilles heel for the Nationals is if they don't trust their bullpen enough that they keep having to give innings to Scherzer and or Strasburg. I don't see that playing out well over the long term. I do agree with you, and you just can't rely on guys like Fernand, and I always call him this on the podcast, Fernand, oh no, Rodney, and gentlemen of that hill. It's just one of those situations where I don't blame him for taking that approach, but I do think that it is so interesting that so many people do say that it's just like a bullpen session and everything like that, because I look from afar and I just sit there and say, Steven Strasburg throwing 37 pitches against the Milwaukee Brewers, that's vastly different than throwing a bullpen session because in a bullpen session, there's no way to be able to simulate the adrenaline of coming into a high-leverage situation like that. And to me, I'm right there with you. It's one of those situations where I don't know where the people are getting that approach because you got to think that when Mad Max Scherzer, even though it's only 14 pitches, comes in there, he is taking a completely different approach than if you're just pitching with your guys in a simulated game or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like I said, when you add in the number of pitches he throws just to warm up to be able to get out there, it adds up pretty quickly. It'll be an interesting thing to follow going forward. Who knows? Maybe they won't do that again. And these are the only times that we will have seen that. To me, I think that could be the thing that brings them down if it's something that they continue to have to do. I agree with you, as we do have Jared Willis joining me right here on the podcast. And we do know that the Houston Astros are going to be facing off against the Tampa Bay Rays on Monday. This is going to be a little bit of an earlier game. It's 1.05 p.m. Eastern for first pitch out here on the West Coast. It's 10.05 a.m. And it's going to be Charlie Martin going for the Tampa Bay Rays. And for the Tampa Bay Rays... We know that they've certainly been taking the wholesale approach with so many of their games. Tyler Glasso actually went a little bit deeper than I thought he was going to in game one. He had been going by and large three innings ever since coming off the injured list. He went more like four and a third innings in that one. But Charlie Morton is really that one guy that can deliver this team five plus good solid innings. And I do think that this is the best chance for the Tampa Bay Rays to be able to steal one from the Houston Astros because with Charlie Morton, we saw how magnificent he was in that AL wildcard game. And this is a gentleman that has a lot of familiarity with the Houston Astros since, well, he pitched for them last year. Yeah, it puts Tampa Bay in, a, I think, a pretty nice spot. You know, when you look at how you want to approach a series like this, especially when you're the team that's starting out on the road, you make that your objective. Let's take one of these games and it's kind of, it's more in our hands there because Tampa Bay's been so successful all season. That wild card game was one of the most straightforward, no drama playoff games I've seen in a long time. But getting Morton out there on the mound that's a big one for them. We'll see though how that plays out because you know the postseason. If it tells you anything, it's that when you think you know what to expect, it's not going to turn out that way. Because I was convinced that the Braves were in trouble when they had to face Jack Flaherty for Game Two of their series. And, of course, that's not at all how it played out. So we'll see. But on paper, at least, Morton going against the Astros, I think that tilts things in favor of the race. I do think so as well. And, Jared, I know that you do some articles for Forbes and also Chicago Mag and a couple other different outlets. And I know that you've been writing a lot about the Chicago White Sox and what we might be able to expect from them in the offseason, obviously. You live out there in the state of Illinois, so you're very close to the situation. What can we expect from them? Just because I think that this is a team that is on a little bit of a come up. We saw Jose Abreu, Yohan Makata, and all those guys do a very good job of being able to provide a lot of resistance. And 
and I would say even prevent the Cleveland Indians from being able to get into the postseason over a team like the Rays or the Oakland A's. They made things very interesting down the stretch. They were able to play spoiler. What can we expect from the White Sox in the offseason? Because we're hearing a lot of buzz about Joe Mann possibly going to the Angels. We're hearing a lot about the New York Mets and their situation, but we're not hearing as much about the White Sox, and I do think that they could be a major player. Yeah, I, I think they're certainly in position to be a major player. The question that always kind of hangs over that team is whether or not they're actually going to do it. And a lot of that has to do with the team's owner, Jerry Reinsdorf. He's not somebody who has a track record of spending a lot of money on free agents. You know, last season, I think you can make a pretty strong case that they missed out on Manny Machado because they tried to get a little too cute, a little too creative with their offer to him rather than just being straightforward about we're going to give you top years, top dollar because we believe you're worth it. They're definitely a team that has the financial flexibility. This year, their team payroll, I think, was was well over $100 million below the luxury tax threshold. So they're nowhere close to even having to think about those kinds of things. And so when you talk about free agency like Garrett Cole, who's going to be a free agent, when Strasburg was pitching the other night, you know, they talked about the fact that he has an opt-out after 2019. So if Strasburg decides to opt out, that's another big-name pitcher that's on the market. The White Sox are a team that should absolutely be pursuing one or both of those guys, definitely Garrett Cole. They should be already getting prepared to throw some serious dollars his way because that's a team that's really just like one or two pieces like that away from being a serious contender. They have the offense. They have a young core of players on that offense that are very, very good and only getting better. And the thing that's lacking for them right now is a sufficient rotation because Lucas Giolito made huge steps forward this year, you know, into a legitimate Cy Young candidate. He's not up there with the Verlanders and the Garrett Coles, but a very, very solid season from him. But he needs somebody around him. They're going to get Michael Kopech back from Tommy John. Carlos Rodon should be back, but they need someone else. And so if they go out and they do something like that, like Garrett Cole, then yeah, absolutely, that's a team that should be able to contend for a division title. It's one of those situations where the experiment of Ronaldo Lopez certainly has not gone well. Dylan Cease did not look good for the most part during the season, but he actually showed a little bit of private slate. That's another guy that they could build around. And then if you put in there someone like a Garrett Cole, it could be very dangerous. And Something else that is not really dangerous, but is very, very good, is the writing of Jared Willis. Jared, I'd like to close it up with this. Let the good people know where they can find you on social media and elsewhere. Since I know you write for a bunch of publications, Forbes Sports, along with the Sporting News and Chicago Mag. So you're out there on a bunch of different platforms. Let the good people at home know where they can find a little bit more of your work and just follow you in general. Yeah, for sure. Um, Easiest place is on Twitter. It's at J-W-Y-L-L-Y-S. I do have a Facebook page as well. That's just facebook.com slash Willis. Those are, I think, the best places to look because through Twitter and stuff, I'm always, you know, like everybody, I, I tweet out the stuff that I do. So check me out there. Just in general, I like to respond and react to what I'm seeing, especially during the postseason as I'm watching all these games. So, yeah, give me a follow and, and check it out. Terrific. A big thanks to Jared Willis for joining me right here on MLB Overtime Betting. And coming up next, it is that time of the podcast in which I give you a side and total on every game on today's Las Vegas betting board. And we do so in something I like to call Touch Em All. Well, 
Welcome back to MLB Overtime. Greg is throwing a gem, so yeah, he better not blow it. Studios from the Overtime Betting. A big thanks to Jared Willis for joining me in the last segment as I'm actually coming at you from San Diego as I am here for the Lucky Duck Golf Tournament. So that is a lot of fun. And what else is a lot of fun is the fact that we've got four games on the Las Vegas betting board for today. And we're going to be going through all four of them in a little something I like to call Touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Note that any changes that are made to these plays is going to be listed up on my Twitter feed, at GNRSquarty1. With two of these games, we currently have no line on them whatsoever. That is because of pitching changes and everything like that, so not going to have plays there. As of right now, I've got pretty much everything pending, but anything that may change, anything of that nature, going to be listed up on my Twitter feed, at GNRSquarty1, and we're going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. This starts with 901-902 on the betting rotation. The Atlanta Braves on the road against the St. Louis Cardinals. As of right now, the Las Vegas betting board has it as two to be determined pitchers. We do know that for the St. Louis Cardinals, Dakota Hudson's going to be taking them out. Meanwhile, for the Atlanta Braves, it's a little bit of a mystery. Is it going to be Dallas Keuchel? Is it going to be Max Freed? That is to be determined. And that puts my play in a little bit of flux. I'm right now leaning towards the St. Louis Cardinals as long as it's a normal price because with Dakota Hudson, the team in his last 20 games, 17-4, and four, he has been absolutely terrific despite the fact that his fielding independent is right around a five. He... He's not necessarily the best pitcher at being able to prevent walks right around 4.4-ish walks per nine innings. He only gets right around 7.2 strikeouts per nine innings, but yet a 3.35 ERA, and he has just been great at being able to get ground balls in general this year. And for the Atlanta Braves, this is a team whose bullpen has really stepped up ever since they had that epic collapse in game one. They're doing a little bit of a better job. And for the Atlanta Braves, you undoubtedly have a little bit more firepower in the lineup. Guys like Josh Donaldson, Freddie Freeman, and Harold Acuna Jr. all had 36 home runs in the regular season. You saw them in the ninth inning be able to mount that nice rally as Adam Duvall has really come up clutch for this team. He's a guy that got called up pretty much in the month of August, and he has been doing a great job for this team. You've also got some other pieces like a Brian McCann at the country spot who's done a nice job. Nick Marquette is only getting a buck fifty-four. Matt Joyce a one twenty-five for the series, but both these guys hit right around a two ninety during the regular season. Ozzy Albies was one of the hottest players in baseball in the second half of the year in his last 30 days of the regular season hitting a 385. And then for the St. Louis Cardinals, you just want to have a lot of guys that are doing a lot for this team right now. Matt Carpenter was able to get a hit for this team in the series. He was able to drive in a run yesterday, but Past that, not getting a lot of production out of guys like Colton Wong, Dexter Feller, Harrison Bader and company. Tommy Edmond was hitting right around 300 during the regular season. That has faded off. Paul DeYoung, Marcel Zuna, and Paul Goldschmidt during the regular season. Up between 29 and 33 home runs. Really have been showing their might so far. And with the St. Louis Cardinals, the bullpen by and large for the year has been pretty good. But we've seen Carlos Martinez just absolutely implode. And this was the St. Louis Cardinals during the last 30 days of the regular season. Bullpen was actually in the bottom 10 of the big leagues with regards to ERA. This is a spot where if it is going to be someone like Max Freed or Dallas Keiko, probably going to be looking at Dakota Hudson. And I think another under is probably going to be in order. But as always, check back in the morning on my Twitter feed at GNRS41 since I just don't know who's going to be trotting out there for the Atlanta Braves. 903-904 on the bank rotation is next. We're going to be going with another line that is off the board, but we do know the pitchers on this one. It is the LA Dodgers on the road against the Washington Nationals. Rich Hill goes for the Dodgers. Meanwhile, Mad Max Scherzer for the Washington Nationals. For 
Mad Max Scherzer. He was supposed to start yesterday. He got his start pushed back to today, and they are badly going to need him because for the Washington Nationals, they tried to Patrick Corbin out there in relief. Their strategy of having a starter relief just did not go as planned, to say the least, as he gave up six runs yesterday. So it's all going to fall on the shoulders of Max Scherzer. And if you take a look at his nine starts ever since really the middle of the month of July, hasn't necessarily been too good. He's got an ERA hovering right around a 4-8. He's given up more home runs than normal. Against the Milwaukee Brewers, he gave up two home runs in the first couple innings, settled down from there. But by and large, he just has not necessarily been himself. And you heard it from Jared Willis. For Rich Hill, he He's probably going to be a pseudo-opener in this one. He wound up making three starts for the team in September. Across those three starts, he wound up combining five and two-thirds innings, giving up one run. So you got to think that you're going to see guys like Maras Stripling, guys like that that are going to be able to provide some innings. Rich Hill probably not going to really be going past four, but with the LA Dodgers, we saw just how potent this lineup is by the fact that they were able to score a touchdown in one of their innings yesterday. I believe it was the sixth. As For the LA Dodgers, you've got guys in Max Muncie and Jack Peterson in between a 245 and a 250 during the regular season with 30-plus home runs. Justin Turner, how big is it that he's back in the lineup? He had three hits yesterday. Cody Bellinger finally busts out of his funk. He is a guy that, during the regular season, hit a 346 home runs. Heck, you're seeing... Max Muncy during this playoff hit two home runs. He's big. Gavin Lux seems to be finding his own. David Freeze is a guy that had three hits yesterday. He's a very good bat. A.J. Pollock along with Corey Seager and Chris Taylor all at right in that neighborhood of a 260 during the regular season. And then with the Washington Nationals, you've obviously got a good lineup. Juan Soto was able to go yard yesterday. He and Anthony Rendon during the regular season both had an on-base percentage hovering right around a 400. Both had 34 home runs and 105 RBI. Trey Turner down for what along with Adam Eaton do a Great job of getting on base at the top lineup. And for Trey Turner, 35 stolen bases, nearly a 300 batting average. Does a little bit of everything. As Robo Cabrera, ever since he came over to the Washington Nationals, is hitting above a 300. But you need more out of guys like Brian Dozier, Jan Gomes, and Matt Adams. All these guys hit below a 240 this year. Ryan Zimmerman has been in and out of the lineup. Whenever he's been in it, he's been decent. But we all know that with the Washington Nationals, and they had to use up a lot of their arms yesterday. Bullpen is not very good. What are they going to be doing with that? I have absolutely no idea. This is a spot where if I'm seeing a total below nine, probably going to be taking it over. And if you're seeing a big plus price on the LA Dodgers, because keep in mind when Max Scherzer went up against the Milwaukee Brewers, he was laying right around minus 175. Probably going to be looking at the Dodgers. Once again, on this one, since we have no line, check back in the morning on my Twitter feed at January 41 for set plays there. Now we go to the games in which we have set lines on. 905-906 on the making rotation. The Tampa Bay Rays are going to be playing LC Houston Astros. Zach Greinke goes for the Strohs. Meanwhile, Charlie Morton for the Tampa Bay Rays. Tolling this game, ranging between 7.5 and, and an 8. On the 7.5, the over is juice of minus 120. The under is even. If you're looking at an 8, under is juice anywhere between minus 120 and minus 130, which means that the over is anywhere between even and plus 105. If you're looking at the Houston Astros, going to be laying some juice here. That is anywhere between minus 138 and minus 149. Meanwhile, the plus price here on the Rays is anywhere between plus 128 and plus 135. I said this on Twitter yesterday when the line came out. If the Astros would get down to minus 135, I would start to look at them. But with that said, I'm probably going to be all aboard the Tampa Bay Rays in this spot just because Charlie Morton has been so good for the team all year long. He's got right around 11.1 strikeouts for nine innings. He's only giving up .7 home runs per nine. And with Zach Greinke, he also does a good job of being able to limit the long ball. He's only giving up, I would say, .9 home runs per nine innings. 8-1 record with the Houston Astros. And he's actually been a little bit of a better pitcher on the road than he has been at home. And that holds 
through for both the time with the Houston Astros and also the Arizona Diamondbacks, so that is very key. And with the Tampa Bay Rays, you've got a couple guys that are doing a good job of being able to get on base. You've got to love the fact that Austin Meadows was hitting right around at 290 with 32 home runs during the regular season, but you can tell that the combination of Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole really had them off balance. Yandy Diaz being back at the fold is big for this team as well. He had two home runs in that wild card game against the Oakland A's. He has the second most home runs per at-bat of any team out there on this team. You got G-Man Choi hitting right around 8-260 for the year, but during this series, he has yet to get a hit. Brandon Lowe, Travis Arno, Kevin Kiermeyer, all during the series hitting a buck 43 or lower. William Thomas during the regular season hit a 250 and during the series is doing the same, so he has been pretty solid. And then Tommy Pham does a good job of beginning on base. And then with the Houston Astros, we all know the guys that by now, George Springer, Jose Altuve, Michael Bradley, Alex Brinkman, Jordan Alvarez, Yuli Gurriel, all guys that had 20 plus home runs and all hit a 280 or greater during the regular season. Carlos Correa has come up with some RBI during this postseason. He's hitting at 375 during the series. Guys like Kyle Tucker and Jake Marizic are able to fill in during in the outfield. And Martin Maldonado had a very good game a few days ago against the Tampa Bay Rays. He and Robinson Torinos are doing a good job at the catcher spot. And both these teams, top five bullpens in the big leagues with regards to ERA. So you do have to like that dynamic. But I do think that Charlie Morton is going to be able to do a little bit better than Zach Ranke in this spot. Zach Ranke has been doing a very good job of being able to control the anxiety. But I think that this spot might be a little bit big. But I think that, once again, going to be a very low-scoring game. So going to be all aboard the under. And I'm going to be on the Tampa Bay Rays. Currently, Wayne Simo to see if some money comes in on the Houston Astros. And with regards to the total, probably going to take one of the unjuiced seven and a half just like to see if I'm able to get plus money on this number before locking it in. And then we wrap things up with 907908 on the banging rotation. As you got the New York Yankees hit the road face off against the Minnesota Twins. Jake Odorizzi goes for the Minnesota Twins. Luis Severino for the New York Yankees. Your total on this game is 9. The overs is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even and minus 110. If you're looking at the Yankees, you're going to be laying anywhere between minus 140 and minus 146. Meanwhile, the plus price here with the Minnesota Twins, anywhere between plus 129 and plus 133. Jake Odorizzi is pretty much a best starter for the Minnesota Twins right now. His home and road splits, very similar. He's done a good job of being able to keep the ball in the yard all year long. He's at home giving up, I would say, right around 1.2 home runs per nine innings. So you take a look at Luis Severino. Ever since coming off the injured list, he's looked like Luis Severino from the first half of the year in 2018. That's been very encouraging for the New York Yankees. He made three starts, giving up three earned runs over the course of about 12 or so innings. So that's a very encouraging sign. And for the New York Yankees, you can tell that their lineup is finally back and fully loaded. You got Gary Sanchez and Edwin Carnacion, two guys that had 30-plus home runs during the regular season. Glaber Torres was really one of the few guys that stayed healthy. He'd ride around a 280 for 38 home runs during the regular season. D.D. Gregorius is finally back to his full powers. We saw him get a grand slam in the game a few days ago. Gio Urshela along D.J. LeMayu during the regular season both hit a 315 or greater. You've got Cameron Maben who's able to come off the bench and give this team at-bats. Aaron Judge is back. Got John Carlos Stanton in the fold. This team is just absolutely loaded. And then for the Minnesota Twins, you've obviously got a great lineup here as well. Luisa Reyes for the playoff series is sitting above a 400 during the regular season. He had a non base percentage hovering right around 400 as well. Got guys like Marwan Gonzalez, Jonathan Scope, CJ Crone. They all hit in the regular season right around a 250 ish, all with power. 
You've got Mitch Garver and Eddie Rosario. Two guys hit it right around a 280 during the regular season with 30-plus home runs. Rosario over 100 RBI. Nelson Cruz, 40 home runs with a 300 average during the regular season. He's already went deep in this series. But by and large, even though you do have Max Kepler over 35 home runs back, I do like the New York Yankees in this spot. I think that they should be able to win this game. I do think that it's a little bit lower scoring, though. I think that Jake Odorizzi holds up the Minnesota Twins bullpen. Certainly isn't quite what the Yankees have when you've got Adam Bonavino, Tommy Canely, Zach Britton, and Nerol and that is a very, very good back end of the bullpen, and you're able to get five out of Luis Severino, so I'm certainly bullish on them, but I do think that it's going to be lower scoring, so going to be on the under. I'm probably going to wind up locking in this unjuiced nine on the under, so I'm all aboard there, and I've already locked in the Yankees money line, so we're all good to go there. And that will wrap it up for this Monday edition of MLB Overtime Betting. A big thanks to our man Jared Willis of Sporting News for joining me in the last segment. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and tune in. Every every question for the podcast, feel free to tweet into the timeline at Junior's41. Let's make today a successful, profitable, and fun one. I'll talk to you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. Bye.